Welcome back to the Sports Bar. Happy New Year um, with yours truly, G. K. Wiley of the Sports Bar. That song was California Girls by the Beach Boys, and it plays in my first guest of the new year on the Sports Bar. My former college coach, father of two, loving husband, grandfather, and a man that I have never heard curse, my hero, <laughs> Coach Steve Shaw of the El Camino College Lady Warriors. Welcome and thank you so much, Coach Shaw, for doing this um, and for being here. Um, I actually picked this song specifically because it just reminds me of you. I picked Beach Boys. I don't know why it reminded me of you, but old, yeah. Old time song for the old time guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you may you may think that you're old, but you're so young at heart. Like even when you were coaching me, you just were like just so young at heart. Um, I think you actually played this song while we were going to a game randomly because we were like, can we put music on? And like it was always quiet in, in our band. So I was like, can you just put something on? I'm like, I don't care. I listen to everything. And you're like, sure, we'll put on the we put on like. K KLOS like oldies like 101 or something the Beach Boys came on and there so they just, were perfect yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. just reminded me of you and always smiling and always just so patient um, you probably to be honest with you you are the most positive patient coach I've ever had in my short-lived competitive career of basketball and he's laughing right now and he's smiling but it's so true like never cursed I think you said gosh darn it to us once when you were really frustrated and then after that like no, nothing at all yeah. like just so patient and mellow well i try and keep composed i expect my players to be composed on the court and so i think if coaches get riled up and get out of control that it has the reverse effect of what they really wanted to accomplish so uh, i try and keep poised and keep patient well, you and you always have been i don't think of, again i like i wish that you guys can see this man in person because he's just <laughs> chilling back here with his El Camino, um, you know, warm-ups on right now and just, like, super composed and chill. Um, I'm sure there's times when earlier in my career where any of those players were listening to this, they'd say, oh, you don't know the coach Shaw that we knew when he was really young. <laughs> well, speaking of that, you actually – thanks. great segue into our first topic um, for you, Coach. Uh, you have an epic basketball pedigree, and – I personally believe that the um, best person to talk about themselves is themselves. So can you just let all the listeners of the sports bar know your basketball pedigree? I did my research, but um, obviously the listeners right now have no clue who you are. So okay. just, yeah, let's let's go through your history. Well, I don't know how far you want to go back. But if we go all the way to high school, I'm yeah. a local, went to aviation high school, better known for Paul Westfall, you know, one of the best all-time basketball players ever out of the South Bay, if not the best. Um, then went to El Camino College myself, you know, which is probably a big part of why I do what I do now and kind of how how I do things right now. Um, played basketball there for two years, had a chance to go to Cal State Fullerton, uh, was recruited by a number of schools out of out of El Camino, but chose Fullerton and ended up being a great choice. Why did you choose Fullerton? Sorry, uh, you that's okay. Person. You know, as a JC transfer, one – you know, a number of Pac-12 schools, or it was probably the Pac-8 at that point, <laughs> schools were, were recruiting me. But I wanted to go to a school that saw me as having an, 
an immediate part of their program, not somebody maybe that, well, if he comes in and works out, that's great, but we got other guys here too, you know? So I wanted to go someplace that ha- that I would have an immediate impact. I just really liked the coach. I liked the people there. I wanted to be away from home, but not too far from home. My, you know, family is really important to me, and, and my mom and dad were still alive then. I wanted them to be able to come and watch some games. And uh, like most things, you know, those kind of decisions, when you look back, they seem to work out for the best. My senior year, you know, we were – we made it to the NCAA playoffs. We were the Cinderella team of the country. Nice. You know, how far did you guys go? We made it to the Western Regional Finals. Wow. We were one game away from the Final Four, wow. and uh, uh, lost that game by three points after having the ball with the chance to maybe the to oh. win it in the in the closing seconds. And uh, just that whole run was a great experience. And then it's just you know really taken me down the path to to where I am today. And it's just, you know, directed me through my whole career. So right after you were done with your senior year um, and graduation and all that, and obviously, you know, for a lot of people out there that think that, oh, you went to a major D1, you must have just like thought of going pro or whatever. Like, you know, not everybody goes pro, right? In the the college basketball world. What did you end up doing after that? Because you didn't go straight into El Camino. You went- No, correct. Ventured elsewhere. So actually, uh, I was a little bit short of graduating, so I had one more semester of classes to take after I finished playing at uh, at Fullerton. So I moved back uh, actually with my parents here in the South Bay area. And that's when I started coaching. I started coaching. I went to aviation high school and started coaching with John Frodgham, who was the varsity coach at that point, who had been my freshman high school coach when I played in, in wow. high school and um, and finished my classes and started working on my teaching credential because I knew at that point that I wanted to be a coach and uh, coached there with him for a few years. And then when the decision was made to close aviation, that 1981-82 school year, I actually had an opportunity to go to Europe and I played for a year over in in Europe. Oh, that's sick. Where did you play? Yeah, I played in Geneva, Switzerland, in a suburb of Geneva, Switzerland. It was great. It must have been so beautiful. Yeah, and it was... um, Right after my wife, I and I got married. So basically, I went over there with a basketball group during the summertime, a Christian basketball group similar to Athletes in Action, uh, that type of a group. Okay. For, for those that don't know what Athletes in Action is, can you explain that a little bit? So Athletes in Action, and I'm not sure if they're still they're, – they're a, um, a Christian ministry group that uses basketball as a platform uh, to share the gospel. And in the heyday, they were big time in the United States. I mean, there's a lot of uh, big time college players that would play for athletes in action. And when the AAU at that level, you know, now it's more high school, you know, when it was an older kind of level. The matter of fact, uh, in those days, community colleges would have an all-star team that would play in the national AAU tournament. Oh, wow. And my uh, sophomore year at El Camino, we played against the Athletes in Action team in the finals of the National AAU Tournament back in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. But, you know, the, so it's basketball. And, and for this group, it's called News Release. They go to to, uh, to Europe every summer with basketball teams. So I was there for eight weeks. The last week I was there, I got an opportunity to sign a contract with this team out of Geneva, Switzerland. Came home. Our wedding was already planned for the week after that. Had a week of kind of getting ready. The following Saturday, got married. Went to Mexico for uh, three days on a honeymoon. Came home, packed our bags. And then that Saturday, we were in, in Geneva. And I was playing the first game with a team that I'd never practiced with. You're a patient wife. <laughs> because you had like three 
days honeymoon? Like, don't you normally do like at least a week? Yeah. Well, I figure it kind of was a seven month one when we got to Switzerland. So I figured that was a good trade off. No, that's fair. That's very fair. But I was also gone for eight weeks right before our wedding. So she took care of all the plans and everything. So so she's special. Yeah. She probably liked it that way, but make all the decisions. She wasn't having to deal with me at the same time. (laughs) Just take care of the things she had to take care of. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so then after Geneva, then is that when you... Yeah, so that year aviation closed. And when I came back, um, we had looked at a couple of opportunities of different things to do, but decided not to continue playing. Um, the coach that I was coaching with at aviation, when they closed the school and divide the staff, he got the job at Redondo High School. So I went over there with him to start coaching. A uh, year and a half or so later, I got hired as a teacher on staff there. A few later years after that, I became the varsity boys basketball coach and a full-time teacher there and did that until uh, I think around 90, uh, Paul Landro was the men's coach at El Camino College, gave me an opportunity to go to El Camino as an assistant on his staff. His program was probably the most dominating men's basketball program in the state of California during the 80s. I had had a few players from Redondo that played for me there that had played for him there. So I was a little bit familiar with that. And we had a little bit of a relationship. And ever since the time that I was a student in El Camino, I remember one time walking in front of the gym at El Camino. I was either on my way to practice or from practice or something, thinking to myself, you know what, if I ever, because I knew by that time I wanted to be a coach thinking if I ever had a chance to come back here and be on staff at El Camino, that would be awesome. And so that opportunity came up, so I couldn't really pass it up. So I went, I kept my full-time teaching job at Redondo, assisted Coach Landro for a number of years. Uh, The women's basketball coach had to take a year's leave of absence, and they asked me if I would like to do the women's team for a year. And I'm about ready to do year 23. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can't even imagine. I mean, I guess I can. There are still college coaches out there that have been with the program for over 20 years, but I can't even imagine you being an assistant (laughs) because, I mean, obviously when I came to you, like my my experience with you was so – I wasn't ready to play. Like I actually didn't want to play and you coached me. You're very convincing and you you convinced (laughs) me to play on the team. Um, I just, I thought I was done. So, but it's the best decision I probably ever made was to be on the Alcamino women's uh, collegiate team. Well, that's, that's so good to hear. And I hear that from so many players after they're done. And the hard part is trying to convince people to have that mindset before they go to El Camino, you know, understanding that, you know, a few years or 10 years or 20 years later, they're going to look back and say, oh, that was the best decision. But it happened for me, and I know it's happened for so many other people. That's why it's easy for me to try and communicate that and convey that to to the recruits that we're talking to about coming to El Camino. So, t- um, you know, speaking of recruits, let's um, move kind of forward to COVID. I mean, we obviously have to talk about it. I know nobody wants to talk about COVID because that's like the only conversation I think that's on anybody's minds right now, right? It's been almost a year since the outbreak in March. I mean, we're, we're recording this in January and it's, it's phenomenal and crazy that it's been almost a year that this is all going down. Um, I do want to talk about how this has impacted not only your sport um, or our sport, I should say, like the sport of basketball and your season. Um, But you alluded to this also about it affecting maybe, you know, recruiting. And I know recruiting is really rough, especially when you are trying to recruit within the South Bay, because a lot of those girls 
they're getting division one offers they're getting you know but you're trying to convince them to come you know to you over over at the jc the juco level and um so i can't even imagine how rough it was back then pre-covid now with covid going on how how has this affected you and your season well it's i mean the timing of it was was really tough right you know from California Community College basketball perspective, we were, our season had ended. Um, the Southern California regional playoffs had ended and we were at the state championships where four teams from the South and four teams from the North come together and play a final state tournament. And our games were set to start on the Wednesday of that week or on the Thursday of that week. And on the Wednesday is when some of the words started coming out about COVID and the decision had been made that the games were going to be played without fans. And then by Thursday, as more and more information, you know, kind of came out and the unknown, I think, right. The scary part of the unknown started affecting people's decisions. Um, there were four women's games scheduled to be played that day. The two teams for the first game were on the court warming up and they pulled them off the court and told them they were canceling the game and no games were going to be played. Wow. So you can imagine these young ladies who had worked through the whole season, some of them two years, three years, you know, if they'd been a redshirt at the community college level, getting to the state championship level, right? Ready to play their first game in the state championship tournament and being told that the game was was canceled. So normally that from that point on, you know, in the springtime is a big time for our recruiting, right? We opened a new gym at El Camino, which I'm not sure you know about. And, I um, haven't gone yet. Yeah, I, I we, saw it on the site. Okay, yeah. we were there part part of the season last year. Our first game was uh, was the day before Thanksgiving in 2019. So last year's 1920 season, we played the rest of our season there. Finally, had in place to ha be able to host the South Bay All Star Game. Oh. You know, which has been typically at either West or South Torrance, the right. Torrance schools. You know, there was some issues with hosting at El Camino, you know, with parking location and gym location, but brand new gym, perfect location. We are all set to host the, the South Bay all-star game, which is nice to bring all the high schoolers on campus, let them see the gym. You know, that's something we use for recruiting the collision all-star game, which is the CIF Southern section versus the LA city section. All-star game was scheduled to be there. Um, you know, and then we just start bringing people on for campus visits, showing them the facilities, having them meet people on campus. That's kind that of a special that's kind of a prime time for us at uh, yeah. at El Camino for recruiting, and all of that was was cut out. We we couldn't do any in person recruiting. You know, there no contacts, no visits, no anything. All that just went went to the wayside. So from a recruiting standpoint, and really up until now, there's still a ban on any kind of in person recruiting. You know, we can do, you know, text, emails, phone calls, that kind of stuff. Um, but also right now, you know, at this point in the year is when we do a lot of our evaluation, right, of the local high school players. We're out watching a lot of games, you know, through December with the tournaments, you know, January as we get into to league play of the high schools. And uh, none of those games are happening, right? If they were happening, we probably wouldn't be able to go to them, you know, so uh how it's all going to pan out in the long run and what kind of effects it's going to have, not only on our programs, but everyone's programs, right, is yet to be seen. And right now, you guys are playing, not playing? We are not playing. Not playing. So as we got to the fall and things still didn't look that good and some decisions were being made, the California Community College has made a decision to change from our normal three-season kind of a, 
uh, a schedule to two seasons. So basically, in uh, California Community College's men's and women's basketball is the only quote-unquote winter sport, although they call us a fall sport, right? <laughs> so they just bumped us with all the fall sports, gave us a spring one season, okay, and then moved all the spring sports into a spring two season. So we were scheduled to start our practice season January 19th, and we could start playing games on February 5th. Uh, they went through the whole process. I mean, it was kind of a long process to get to that point, but that's what it kind of ended up with. They reduced our game schedule from normally being able to play 28 games to being able to play 20 games. Um, they reduced kind of the time frame for a playoff bracket, and we were only going to do regional bracket and not a state tournament. But at least we were going to try and have some kind of a season. They gave a date where schools could have uh, – would have an opt-in, opt-out decision. Are we going to play or are we not going to play? Okay. Well, it got to the point where that date came, and I would say over 70% of the schools in, in California uh, made the decision, if not for all of their spring one sports, which include basketball, football, cross-country, water polo, you know, all the typical fall sports, right, to not participate. And so there's a small number of schools still hoping to have a season, Um uh, that they could start playing games as early as February. I was on a Zoom call with some coaches today, and uh, some of them have said we're already made the decision we're going to try and wait and start closer to March to see if we can get things in place. Um, so the, so El Camino was one of the schools that decided, and our whole conference, being in L.A. County, were schools that decided to not have any sports during the spring one season. So all of our uh, seasons got canceled. Wow. Okay. Well, I was going to ask you about COVID protocol, but that just basically means that you're going to have no play. Right. Um, so as far as the eligibility for the girls are concerned then, or for just sports in general, um, the NCAA is giving obviously a COVID extension, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. this year technically doesn't count, which is great for people that do want to play the following season when they're like, dude, my season got canceled. Like what mm -hmm. do you want from me? Right. Um, so what does this mean for the girls? Is it the same? Yeah, it's the same. Pretty much all levels now have made that decision for the fall sports, uh, fall, oh, fall and winter and sports, winter sports. All right, which would include basketball, uh, which was right, yes. you know, because... It's not fair to those girls. Yeah, it's and, 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 those, and yeah, you don't want them going into a decision or into a season having to make a decision. Well, do I want to use a year of eligibility and maybe only play a few games and have it cut short? Um or do I just put it off for another year? And so the decision it made, and, and those schools that are still going to have an opportunity to play, if any of them play games this year, uh, that won't count as a year of eligibility against them. They'll be able to come back and play another year. So that was a good decision that I think the that our you know uh, overriding group you know made. It's it's called the CCCAA, yes. kind of like what the CIF is for yes. high school, the California Community College Athletic Association um, for oh. community colleges. Um, I mean, that's awesome. And you're right. It's right. It's just the right thing to do. Right. But this is great for you because then you have those goals for an extra year. You have some players for an extra year. So you can actually develop off of that. Hopefully, knock on wood, you guys can yeah, keep going. Right. I mean, one side of the coin, you can look at it that way. Right. Now, the downside of that is we haven't been in the gym since last yeah. March. Yeah. Right. So our whole uh, uh, spring program, our summer program, our fall program has all been online. You know, and so how are these girls so online? Yeah, you know, really, it's. It, I mean, we give them workouts. Okay. Our strength and conditioning coach, who is great, has been doing 
you know, workouts, you know, she'll do live workouts where the kids can go on, but it's Zoom workouts, right? It was probably, our athletes were probably more receptive to that in the spring because it was new and different and we were just ending a season. It's kind of the downside for basketball anyway, right? But then you got into the summer, you know, and they're starting to say, well, how long is this going to go? Then you get into the fall. And we are hoping at this point to be back in the gym, practicing every day, getting ready for a season, right? right. And I mean, let's face it, that's you play basketball because you love basketball, right? You want to be in the gym. You want to be shooting. You want to be dribbling. You want to be competing against people. You want to be doing those kind of things, right? Uh, just conditioning and working out and doing Zoom workouts or doing, you know, chalk talks on on zoom it, it's it's run its course and we really 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 need to be able to get back into the gym yeah i mean it is like you said there isn't really a end date or a start date for that um availability to go in the gym correct That's correct yeah okay man i was gonna try and be like so if you guys are starting is there COVID protocol because there's no there's no way that you can unless you have your own uh basketball hoop everything out here right now all the parks um, and I've said this, I've gone on social media and like, just asked friends, like, does anybody have a hoop? I just want to shoot, right. like, you know, around and play horse or something. Like, I just need to like do something active because I love yoga and I love to run on the strand, but that's just not cutting it anymore. Right. You know, and I'd right. rather go and play ball right. for like an hour a week exactly. and just be happy with that. Right. Um, um, count your blessings if you have a hoop in your backyard, exactly. right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're not even. So are they even able to? Are the players even able to shoot a basketball or like any of that? It's just going to be against their back. That's it. I mean, if they have something at their house, or yeah. if they have, you know, there's, you know, you hear stuff kind of around about there's places, opportunities here or there to go play. You know, um, I don't get involved with that mix very much, so I don't know much detail about it. Yeah. That's part of my concern, though, you know, is if there are places that somehow they're finding ways to go and play, um, we don't know what those protocols are at those places, right? And, and it's completely out of your control. I think it would be better to allow our athletes to be back on campus where we can have the protocols. The State Athletic Trainers Association put together a great document early on, like in the first month, I would say, of when, uh, when COVID came out. Because at that point... The uh, the spring season from last year was maybe six weeks into their season. You know, baseball, softball, track. You know, all, all of those men's volleyball. They they were full going into their season, and um, they put them on hold. You know, and trying to get things worked out. And so the our trainers put together this document, which I think would be great protocols for us to be able to follow to go back on campus, and. Um, I mean, if the NCAA is doing it, you guys should be able to do it. Right, right. Yeah. And and the f spring sports ended up being canceled also, right? Obviously, mm -hmm. they, their season got canceled. I mean, pretty much everything went along with what you heard about in the news from the NCAA sports and stuff okay. like that. So um, part of the issue, and I think part of the reason why a lot of the schools have opted out of our spring one sports season is because the guidelines that they did set forth for California Community Colleges, they basically just put in the exact same protocols and the exact same requirements as division one. And we're not a division one school. Yeah, we don't have the same kind of funding. We don't yeah. have the same kind of financing. Now, is there a place for testing? Is there a need for testing? Maybe, but at the levels that they were requiring it of at the D one level, community colleges don't have the resources to do that, you know? Right. And so I think there's, 
somewhere there's a ground to be found for community college athletes that's going to keep everybody as safe as possible, especially now as we're farther down the road and we know more about COVID, we know more about the groups that it's affecting and, you know, the severity of those groups, you know, that it affects, um, that we could get our athletes safely back on campus. So I'm hoping that, you know, our school and, and throughout uh, Southern California, that the majority of schools decide to go ahead with their spring two season because that means those athletes will have to start going back on campus. And if protocols are in place for them to go back on campus for their practices, then uh, pretty much the protocols will be in place for us to be able to go back and start working out with our out-of-season classes and stuff like that. What so, would you know about that? Uh, I believe that February 26th is the, is the date for that opt-in, opt-out for the spring two season where all of the schools have to make their decision. Uh, I'm hoping they're going to make a decision earlier than that. You know, you've heard in the news lately a little bit, right? Everybody was a little bit surprised this week when, when the restrictions were lifted a little bit, you know, the stay at home restrictions, um, you know, the numbers are going down. Um, it seems like through the course of time, um, kind of the, uh, the earmarks, the check marks that we got to get to have been changed a little bit. Right? So I'm hoping those are going to be changed again in a good way, you know, to where they're less restrictive and we can get our, our kids, youth, high school, college, community college, whatever level, you know, they need to be back, you know, participating with their, with their coaches and their athletic teams and their teammates and, I mean, this and is, all those things. This has definitely taken, I'm sure, I mean, I couldn't even imagine the kid, the, athletes and the just the people that this is affecting because i mean obviously it's affecting everybody it's obviously affecting everybody in a different way but when you're if you have to grow up with this you can't go to prom you can't go oh. to your high school graduation you have yeah. to like make modifications to do all these things i can't imagine what the youth of america today is going through the youth in general is going through having to just adjust to unfortunately the youth is really good about adjustments right so they but can still do, but yeah i can't imagine you know a year in and you're like dude when is this going to change like are you know, a lot of people unfortunately say that development of kids, like some kids, they thrive on this Zoom, you know, education, and that's fine for them. The majority of kids, they need to be social. They need to have interaction with one another, and that social interaction helps them develop as people. You know, us being able to talk this yeah. together, that doesn't come naturally to some people. So yeah. Yeah. it's, um, yeah, I can't even imagine what it's been like. How's it been like? I mean, you're, you're a grandfather now, yeah. I, yeah. which is... Incredible. <laughs> I know you should see this. I wish that this was on YouTube, even though I'm not wearing makeup and I'm in, you know, bum clothes. But um, I, I wish you guys could see the smile on Coach Shaw's face when I just mentioned that he's a grandfather. And uh, I think it's, I guess, a natural reaction to me. Yeah, um, yeah. Does he call you Pappy or Poppy or anything? Or? Papa. Papa? That's yeah. so cute. Yeah. And he's adorable too. What is his name? Uh, Kyrie. Kyrie? Yeah. Lovely. And we call him Kai. Nice. And his birthday party is going to come up in a couple of weeks. We're going to do a little drive-by party for him, I guess. And Aww. it's the theme is Kyrie for three. Oh, my God. Because, of cute. course, he's got to be a basketball guy. <laughs> of course. But I guess one of the downs or one of the upsides of the downside of COVID is that, uh, you know, we're around him a bunch. You know, we care for him. My daughter's, a, you know, Carla. She helps me coach also, right? But she's also a uh, elementary uh, PE teacher. So she's working every day. And so we have him with us a lot. Uh, you know, he's in his daycare a couple of days a week, but uh, although he hadn't been doing that, right. this week is actually his first week back there. And he hadn't been doing that since 
I don't know when, you know, maybe since March. I don't know if it's been that whole time or not. Say, but... was it so... Ooh, your phone okay? Yeah. Was... Um, oh, glasses. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine. I think that they're doing, they, they're reopening for kids that are five, six, seven. I think that they're reopening school, or five or six, they're reopening schools for them, but they only have, they only get to be there like two days a week. Right. I think max right. is the, right. um, what they're allowing. But um, what did you... Um, shoot, I was going to ask you um, about his, like, how has this hit him for, for COVID? Like, did, you know, how is this hitting him? He's been around you guys the whole time. It's probably a dream, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, he, he's, he's great around people in different circumstances. You know, I mean, he'll, he'll have a shy moment, but, but he adapts, right? He's with my wife and I, he's with, you know, my sister-in-law some of the times, you know, he's at daycare some of the times he'll go to this, uh, you know, his, his other grandma's house, he'll, and, and he adapts, you know, to all those situations. But, uh, but there was a time where he said, you know what, I miss my friends, you know, I miss my friend, a little two-year-old saying, I miss my friend. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, it's natural. You know, it's not something that is, is foreign. Uh, we're going to actually take a really, really quick break uh, because, as everybody knows, on the Sports Bar, Anchor only lets you do 30 minutes of recording. So I'm going to take like a two-second break, and then we'll be right back. Told you guys that'd be quick. Welcome back to the Sports Bar. <laughs> um, we literally even just took a two-second break. It really was like very short. <laughs> very short. Just gonna get, we're just going to keep the party rolling here on the Sports Bar. Um Keeping it going with COVID, I know you personally had, um, other than, you know, you being pop pop, um, with your grandson, with your family, you've also experienced, unfortunately, COVID hitting you guys a little bit on the harder side. Uh, feel free to talk about this. If you don't, I completely understand. Um, but can you let the audience know how it just affected you and your family? Yeah. Well, yeah, we were, you know, my family did, uh, get caught with COVID uh, right before the, or right in the midst of the holidays, like a week before uh, Christmas, we started feeling some symptoms and, you know, can't really pinpoint where, how, or when, you know, but uh, you know, I had it, my wife had it, uh, both my daughters, my grandson, Kai had it, uh, which is a little bit unusual for the young ones, my sister-in-law, my, you know, so it kind of ran through our family. So, uh, I was very fortunate. Everyone's back and fine. I was very fortunate and I had a very, very light case. I probably had, you know, my worst symptoms were just like cold, like symptoms other than maybe a little bit of fatigue. Uh, I think my sister-in-law and my wife were probably the worst. My wife's a tough cookie and she never gets sick. And when she's sick, she still just keeps plugging through, but she was down and out for a good eight to 12 days, you know, which is just so unusual for her. And it was right through the holidays. I mean, the, probably the worst days that people felt were like Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, you know. <laughs> so to be feeling sick on those days, and and as I've mentioned before, my family is really important, and we have a lot of large family things that we do through the holidays. A lot of traditions from family soccer games, you know, from the grandkids to the grandparents playing in these games, you know, to just our our meals that we get together for and the way we exchange gifts and all that. And all of that obviously had to be out this year. And so uh, made the holiday season, you know, a little bit more difficult this year as we worked through it. But, 
you know, everybody's well, everybody's recovered. You know, when you look back on, a, on it now, it's in a way it's a blessing, right? Yeah. You know, so for whatever it's worth, we have the antibodies where, where you know, you don't want to be lackadaisical about it. So we're still cautious and, and take care of things. And, and, but, uh, have you guys we have experienced a little bit. So. Uh, do you have like the um, the family maybe just like come and bring you guys stuff, or do you one person is designated to go and do all that? Or when you know when we were right in the heart of it, you know we were quarantined, so we have family members that who weren't sick, you know, that would bring you know either groceries or prepared meals over or uh, whatever that would be. You know, after you go through your your 10 days with you know from first experiencing symptoms or you know 14 days total. Um, I mean, at that point, the CDC pretty much says, you know, you're, you're free to go, you know, you don't have to be locked up anymore and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So we're pretty much back to our normal routine now, but, uh, uh, but yeah, it was a tough, tough period of time. And like I say, and we had it easy, you know, obviously you hear stories of people that have a really difficult time and those people that, you know, all the way to the point where they end up having to be hospitalized and stuff like that, you know, it's, it certainly is a devastating disease, but um, but as I said earlier, as far as some of the decisions of how that would impact, you know, our youth sports and stuff, I think we need to look at the data that's more specific to them and make some decisions that are positive. Yeah, but thanks for asking about my family. I no, appreciate of course. that. No, of course. I, I always want to make sure that they're safe. I mean, A, they're important to you. They're always going to be important to me. So, um, and your wife, again, if anybody does not know her, she is, she's somebody that you need to <laughs> make make a friend of yours because she's yeah. just a, a completely generous individual very yeah, self-serving she's, like she, she or non-self-serving she's very much about giving yeah she and is she's such she a is. giver and she's great you know she'll you know we we're talking about recruiting earlier you know she'll go she goes to high school games with me when i go watch to recruit especially those redondo maricosta games oh, right sure rivalry <laughs> I think that's the real reason why you didn't want to come to El Camino to play because you knew I taught at Redondo. So So that's that is one of the hard parts. So no, so I actually did it. And had I known that, I probably would have pushed back a little bit more. But no, I actually did not know that. So my story is that I, um, I actually went to Santa Barbara City uh, for my freshman year in the very beginning, and I. I just wanted to get away, to be honest with you, but kind of like you with Fullerton, I wanted to leave, but not be too far away, but I wanted to be far away enough that I can still have some independence. And uh, because I obviously am very close with my family as well. My whole family lives in the South Bay. My mom uh, currently lives in downtown LA right now in Koreatown, but uh, obviously lived in Manhattan Beach and grew up in Manhattan Beach in the South Bay. And then my aunt, my uncle and my cousins, they all live in Torrance. So like it's a 15 minute ride to get to, you know, to family. Uh, and so for me personally, I was just like, dude, I, I want to get away from you guys. I love you, but I just need some yep. space at least yep. for like a couple of years. So I went to Santa Barbara city, um, played on the team for like a hot second. And then I just got so homesick that I was just like, I'm going to go back home, came back home, went to Santa Monica. I hated it there. And then, um, just the commute in alone was just, terrible i fought going to el camino for the longest time because when i was a kid like everybody went there right. after after costa so like you either got into a four-year or you went to el camino there was no other in between right there was no hey let's go to san Barbara city let's go to santa monica college like there was no in between everybody went to elco so uh, i just tried to avoid it as much as possible finally after a year and a half i couldn't avoid it anymore i was like okay i gotta go i gotta finish school i'm like i gotta be done 
um, like no more messing around, went to Alco. Um, you have to take uh, PE courses. So I took a basketball course. It was like, this will be cake. Like I'll just sit here, shoot around, play. Maybe I'll like stay in shape for a little bit. And then that's when, I don't even remember his name, the, uh, the, the teacher for that class specifically was like, why aren't you on the team? I said, eh, I'm done. I'm like, I'm good. I think I was like 19, 20 years old when I joined you guys. So, because this was after like my technical class was there. So like mm -hmm. Crystal and all those girls, like mm -hmm. they were long done mm -hmm. already, I think. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm done with basketball. Like, I just want to play for fun. Like, I don't need to play competitively anymore. And he's like, well, I'll, I'll, like he sneakily brought you into a class. I was like, you didn't have to bring him in. He was just like, well, just watch her play. Like, just, just talk to him. Just talk to him. I'm like, man, you guys are really like underhandedly sneaky in your, in your own little way. And, yeah, you convinced me to play. I had, again, had that Redondo thing come up. I probably that would have like, been the I'll end think of it. About it. <laughs> Give me a little bit more time. Yeah, for all those that don't know, Redondo and Costa have like a very bitter rivalry. I just found out why, by the way. What, was it because like you guys stole teachers or we stole teachers or something like that initially? Oh, I don't know. I think. I think it's just, you know, the, the geographic location, uh, the fact that, especially with the Hermosa students, so many of those students, you know, go to up through junior high school together, and then some may go to Redondo and some yeah. may go to, uh, to Maricosta. Same thing with the North Redondo area right here, kind of where I live. Some students would go to Costa, some would go to Redondo. So are they so, eligible now? Because North Redondo, I know they, uh, I mean, talk about weird borders. Yeah, where, like right. you could live two seconds away from Costa and not go to Costa. So like, or Miracosta, sorry. And so a lot of people, I know in Hermosa, they do a thing where if you live in Northern Hermosa, you have to go to Miracosta. And then if you live in Southern Hermosa, you have to go to Redondo now. So like they, oh, they've split they? the borders. Yeah, they split the borders now. So like it's even okay. Um, because due to overpopulation. Mm -hmm. So even though your campus is ridiculously huge, like it right. fit, like right. it, it almost was a college, wasn't it? Like did right. they want to make it a college? Oh, I'm not sure about that, but it's as far as the size of the campus, I think it's 57 acres, which is like the largest high school campus or one of the largest this side of the Mississippi or something like yeah. that. You know, it's crazy. I know I'm retired now from the high school. I've been retired for a couple of years. Um, yeah, when but we were like at 3,000 students at one point, you know, which is gigantic for yeah. in this area. I know Maricosta also has grown, you know, yeah. so. Um, we but, had 2,000 when I was going there, so. Yeah. I mean, but always being in the same league with each other, you know, and just all those things, you know, it just made for a perfect kind of, uh, of rivalry and just that kind of a mentality, which, you know, which is great. Right. So, uh, uh, people that haven't experienced that, they don't know what they're missing out on. <laughs> it's probably the one time that Costa's gym is packed for the, for the basketball program. I'm not going to lie to you. Like got football, the whole football team will go to the, to the boys or to the girls when they don't of care. They're like they just go and support it. Like volleyball, it's packed like every single year. I'm, for four years, I didn't even know anything other than right, that. You know, right. and, um, I remember I started seeing somebody that went to Redondo and all my friends gave me so much. And this was after graduation. This isn't even during high school. Like no. this was after it's, we've all been said and done and the, the rivalry still lives on. It's lifelong. Yeah. Yes, it's yeah. lifelong. Which, yeah, I guess if you've never experienced it, it's just, you can't really explain it to anybody. No, and no. it's so sad because it's like a it's less than a fifteen minute drive away from each other. Exactly. You know? Like exactly. I live in Hermosa and it took me like 
eight minutes to get here. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah and, and coach lives in Redondo. So it's not, not far at all. And Redondo's huge by the way too, though. So it makes sense that it's a 57 acre campus. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to jump to the last thing I was going to ask you is unless you want to keep going on that rivalry, <laughs> but uh, the last thing I wanted to ask you is your favorite El Camino memory and your favorite coaching memory. Oh my and you don't have to include me just because I'm here. Oh, I, know. I know. You know, it's, you know, people talk about that or some, some coaches are so good at remembering specific things that happened through the years. And, I mean, it could be your, your um, playing days. And I'm not, you know, quite a, 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 that same type, you know. I was thinking about, you know, we've been very fortunate in the last, well, I guess, six years now. We've been conference champions for the last six years. But the memories from those years aren't any stronger than the memories from the first four <laughs> okay. or six years. You know, okay. that first year when we took over after the team was three and twenty-three the year before, or something like that. We wow. won six games, right? Which we, which I think was maybe as successful of a year as any of the years that we've had. Mm-hmm. You know, and so my thoughts really don't go back to specific memories. They do go back to groups of people, you know, teams, and even in that, I'm I'm not very good at separating like. I would have to really think early 2000, 2002, 2003 or well, something that was, like that, that for you, year. right? That's what I was going to say uh, for so, you. Yeah, my actually my year was 2001, 2002, I believe was like the year, the two years that I was there with you. Okay. Um, I'll give you an example of my favorite memory. So I went, I said earlier that I went to Santa Barbara City um, Community College and the the code we played them my freshman year and we got whooped off and i think we like lost by 10 or something like that and then the next year i saw them on the schedule again and i was like dude if we don't beat them again if we if we get whooped again i'm gonna cry like i can't i can't lose to them again sheree hit a buzzer beater at the last second to beat to for us to win i mean it's i think it's different for players versus coaches because you have a going on 23 year career right Right. that's a lot of memories to sit there and and yeah. uphold and we only have two years with you right. so but i obviously was thinking about the time and, and again hopefully i'm thinking clearly here but i'm pretty sure it was your year with with or one of yours with that group we went down to saddleback college for yeah. a game this was and before in, this beginning of the season and it was early season it was november maybe december but it was like one of those santa Ana. it was hot it was, and I think in my mind, it was like a Friday afternoon, three o'clock game or something like that. I like, it was an early game or something and it was hot and was hot in the gym. And, uh, Saddleback was really highly ranked that year and we went in and we beat them. And, that was my year. and I think, uh, going into the playoffs, uh, that was like, they had two losses on the year and they were the number one seeded team going into, you know, those type of victories where you're kind of the underdog and you're not really supposed to win and your team rises, you know, to the, to the uh, challenge and, and does something special, you know, in some ways I think you're accomplishing more with that team than maybe if you have the team that's the most talented and you beat everybody, but it's kind of what you were supposed to be doing. Anyway. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Those so, unexpected victories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, that's obviously, uh, I mean, not, this isn't the first time I've talked about that when I talk about it often, right? Because yeah. I think that's such an important kind of part of community college athletics where you can kind of accomplish some of those type of things. But but I do think about that one. That's That's kind of a... A big moment, yeah, that's for sure. I do remember that game because so we're playing them. 
I think we barely beat them. We didn't beat them by close. a lot. We no. were very close game, yes. like one or two points or something like that. Maybe a maybe, yeah, a one possession game, and we won. And I remember we were in the locker room, and you said you guys just beat the number one team in the um, the number one team ranked in in the nation right now. And I was just like, dude, what? Like, and you did. I I. Pretty sure that you specifically didn't tell us so ahead of time. We just played like we would normally play, what? right? We played yeah. the way that you coached us to play, so it wasn't. And that's, I think, another thing that I really truly appreciate about El Camino Lady Warriors program is that you you coach with consistency, and you coach like every single year. It's like, okay, this is our game plan. This is what we're doing. It's very like I don't want to say this in a negative way because it's not negative at all. You coach very militant, and you coach very like you coach very structurally and it's great because I think everybody needs structure and everybody needs that organization. And I don't want to like say that it's because of my sign or whatever, but I'm a very, I need, I need structure. I need everything to be like, here's plan a, here's plan B. Here's like, these are the steps that we're going to be taking. Everything has a step. Everything had um, a purpose. And that's definitely the way that you coach the program, which I love. Well, thank so, you. Yeah, no, yeah, it's good oh, to hear. Me, I have nothing, nothing but great things to say about this program. Yeah, I should was, hire you as my recruiting coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you, if you need somebody, I can be the Ernie Davis to your, uh, I don't know go. if you ever seen, saw that movie. I'm not I, sure. I, I highly recommend it. So okay. it's called the express. Okay. And it's the, uh, do you know who Ernie Davis is? Somewhat. Okay. So he, um, so Jim Brown recruited, Ernie Davis to go to Syracuse um, and play for his coach. And then Ernie Davis does the exact same thing for the next recruit coming up. So, I mean, if you wanted me, I can, I can be a go. player and talk to them. It's not a big deal via zoom, obviously. Socially yeah. Really? I mean, you know, word of mouth, the families, oh, that's are, probably been our best recruiting tool. You yeah. know, people whose, whose daughters have played in our program and they're out there in the midst of the, of the basketball community and they'll, they'll share with what the experience was for their daughter and tell other parents or whatever, you know, that's, that's the way it's hard. You know, it's hard yeah. making, you don't know what you're getting yourself into when you go, you know? And so, um, you know, we try and convey, you know, kind of what it is, but when you hear it first from somebody who's been there, you know, kind of their experience, I think right. that really helps a lot. No, definitely. I mean, I probably, I probably would have jumped a little bit more forward if somebody else told me that about the program, I probably would have been, cause I'm not going to lie to you. I've had coaches that have thrown chairs, tables. I've had, um, when I went to Monterey, that was, I just had a really negative experience and I left the program yeah. specifically yeah. because of that. I just wasn't ready to be there. And I think I got spoiled by you for two years <laughs> by thinking this is the gold standard of yeah. like how coaches should be. And I had already come from like a pretty toxic program at Costa at the time. It's not like that anymore because uh, those coaches are long gone. Um, but the, yeah, like then I get to El Camino and I'm like, oh, wait, so this is what like coaching is? Like, this is great. Like yeah. this is how it's going to be on the next level of the four year, right? Like this is how it's totally going to be. And yeah, it didn't end up that way. So yeah. you do spoil us. Certainly don't want, you know, to not prepare our players for the next level. And I try and communicate that to them. But at the same time, part of our philosophy is, you know what? It's a game. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah. You know, it's it's just part of your life. It's not everything in your life. And even those people that are just totally, I'm not saying, you know, it's not, we don't have athletes in our program that just totally sold 
out for basketball, you know, and want to be the best they can be. We want to be, right? We want to be state champions. We want to be the best we can be. We're going to work hard to be the best we can be. We're going to evaluate what we're doing, right? Are we doing things the right way? Is this really helping us get to where we want to be, right? right? And if not, well, let's figure out how to do it a way that's going to do that. And I think, like I told you earlier, I think uh, belittling people or just being crazy and just being out of control sometimes will get immediate results, but it's not going to get long-term results. It's not going to make long-term changes in people's behavior that are going to get you to the point where you want to be. And so uh, I try not to be that way. Yeah, no. Well, you definitely are not. Thank you, Coach, so much for your time. We're going to wrap it up on the sports bar, guys. Continue to follow us on social media. Um, I know I've been lacking on it, so I apologize ahead of time. It's that sports bar at... um, yeah, it's all of my social media handles are that sports bar, T-H-A sports bar. Uh, think mass whole person or whatever person from mass saying the instead of the saying that. Uh, so T-H-A sports bar. Also, um, Twitter, unfortunately, did not give me that sports bar. I don't know why, uh, but they haven't. So it's at sports bar gals. So please follow. Um, and we're on everywhere that you get your podcast. So please subscribe, rate, review, et cetera. All that good stuff on Apple, on iTunes, on Spotify. Um, Google uh, will try to get myself on iHeartRadio, but I haven't done that yet because, again, like I said, I'm lagging. We're going to play out the amazing, wonderful Coach Shaw with Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles because, again, this song just reminds me of you because it's like the sun coming out <laughs> shining on us right now. So, Coach Shaw, thank you so much again for being oh, my pleasure. really appreciate my it. My pleasure. We'll play you out with Here Comes the Sun. Here Comes the Sun. Here Comes the Sun. Say it's alright